Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. You you know, it's interesting. Um... I was interviewed over the weekend on a show, and I, I wish I wish I could have that interview back um, because after the interview, I was able to reflect, and especially as I was rereading uh, Dr. Erica Elliott's book again, you know, Medicine and Miracles in the High Desert, My Life Among the Navajo People. And as I went through this book again, and, you know, I thought about my answers to Ratika would have been different. And I thought about why that is, because when I think about what some of the most life-changing events and who my mentors were, um, by far, my spiritual journey took a completely different direction, thanks to Sedonia Cahill. And mentor is an understatement. And I think Dr. Elliott today is going to be able to talk to that. But when you are touched in the high desert, when you have spent time amongst people that have such a deep-rooted understanding of life at such a profoundly diverse level and so grounded into moments of spirituality, once you have that experience, as I was talking with Um, Erica, before the show, you are not the same, you are changed. And I forgot that in speaking with Ratika. There are so many moments in my life. But today, I want you to meet this incredible woman, this author, this adventure, and especially in light of this month, this is women, you know, Women's History Month. And people like Dr. Erica Elliott are those people now that are helping us craft and shape the world we're living in today. While sometimes we go back in history as, you know, we look back, we're in moments of time now where we are calling for new teachers, we're calling for new messages, we're calling for new voices. And that is profoundly what excites me about the launch of our women's channel. But today, I want you to meet someone that said yes to an adventurous, profoundly, how should I say it, mentorship journey. This was what she said yes to. And today, now, we're talking with her about her discoveries, her impressions, her students. We're talking with her about life that is different but yet so important in today's world. I want to introduce you to someone that has taken the journey, that understands it, but more importantly, what happens when you do say yes to this life that is undescribed 
and so different than perhaps what you have decided. Uh, Dr. Elliot, great to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with a, a soulmate, so to speak. <laughs> you know, I want to, I, I mean, there are many things we can talk about, especially about the book, which we will. But I, I think in honoring, it is also important to honor the walk. It's also when you walk in beauty, as m my, uh, my native friends would say, as you walk in beauty, you walk on a pathway that is so difficult to describe sometimes, especially to people that haven't walked, right? Yes. And I want to ask you, you know, when you look back at these moments as a young woman, where you, you made the decision to walk the path to walk the path, maybe you call it the Navajo path, whatever it is, but you made a decision to walk a certain path. What was in your heart when you made that decision? I, I have always been guided by an inner compass that I, I made decisions that made seemingly no sense. When I decided to go out as a young, newly minted school teacher to the reservation everybody thought I was crazy but I I had a certain knowing this is what I had to do and when they said why I I actually couldn't explain it I yeah. just said I know this is what I need to do I can't explain it and I'm gonna do it even though it sounds crazy and at first when I got there I I thought yes I was crazy <laughs> this isn't where I belong I can't relate to anything the students don't talk to me they don't even look at me. People in town don't talk to me. Uh, the white teachers in the boarding school look like they hate it there. And they say the students can't learn. And the part of town I saw was really dumpy. And the boarding school was dumpy. And everything was just a different shade of brown. I hadn't trained my eyes to see, see what was really there. And so I... I I thought I made a really big mistake and I called my father after being there a week and I said, uh, Pa, I, <laughs> you are right. I made a mistake. I, I don't belong here. I'm coming home. And he said, what? He said, you've only been there a week. You can't judge a person, place, culture, their land after a week. Why don't you stay there three months and then? If you're still unhappy, you um, come home and find a job on the East Coast. I said, okay, thinking I knew what I was going to do after three months, and that's leave. But that very next day, something absolutely miraculous happened. The, the, my teacher aide, Donna Scott, who, who comes from a very famous Navajo family, her father was Carl Gorman, who was one of the code talkers in World War II, and the code talkers simply spoke their language. It wasn't a code, but their language is so incredibly difficult, which I'll talk to you about, that no one could break it. The only code that wasn't broken. And so she moved around in military bases growing up. So she was, uh, even though she was a very traditional Navajo, she's totally versed in the white world and spoke, spoke fluent English, but she retained some of her traditional qualities to be reserved and uh, deferential and so forth and not speak much. And so she just watched me fuddling be, 
uh, fiddling around trying to make some kind of contact with the students. And she, she said the day after I talked to my father that she saw how hard I was trying, unlike the other teachers who had just given up and just hated being there, waiting for their pension checks so they could retire. These were all older people. In my mind, they were old. I was 23. Yeah. <laughs> like 50, 50 Isn't that or funny? I thought they were really ancient and, <laughs> and over the hill. <laughs> well, part of it was because they, they were so bored and they, they didn't like being there. So that made them look even older. And so they were not enlivened at all and said not very nice things about the students. So anyway, she said, I can see you're different. I can see you really want to make it, you want to try, you want to make a difference. She said, I, I want to help you. And the best thing to do is to learn a few words of Navajo. I eventually learned how to speak Navajo. This was my very first putting my big toe into this impossibly difficult language it's more difficult than Chinese actually and uh, my sister speaks Chinese and she said that so it's from an authority and yeah I'm trying to learn I yeah, get oh, it it's oh my extremely, god yeah it's so extremely hard <laughs> and so she taught me how to say good morning my children my name is Erica Elliott what is your name and where do you live <laughs> oh my god and so I practiced way into the night looking in the mirror making these very weird sounds that do not exist in English like I'll give you some examples like the word for goat is is it is it the word for um poop is chong it's a nasal sound the word for right now is like right now and um i mean they're on and on and a sound like means horse and mm -hmm. so i had there was no dictionary that i knew of back then or and so i had to listen to her say it over and over and, and it was so hard and so i i tried to write it down phonetically but I, that was hopeless because right. you can't do it and so and so i practiced what i thought was i was saying in the mirror so i <laughs> I walked into the schoolroom the next morning and I said, and everybody looked up for the first time. It was the first time they made eye contact. They were in shock. A white teacher trying to speak their language, showing enough interest that they were even trying. And then one of the girls put her hand in front of her mouth and started laughing and the whole classroom burst into tears and that marked the beginning of the most profound love affair between me and the students it, it just accelerated so fast because they saw that i really cared and i wanted to know about them so so another miracle that happened is when they saw how much i cared and how interested i was suddenly they wanted to learn English before they, they didn't care because their teachers didn't care about them. And they had these stupid Dick and Jane books that didn't mean anything to them that was irrelevant to their life. And so they had no motivation. And so here was a teacher who wanted to know about, about their lives. And so they learned English so fast that all those lies the white teacher said about them, like they weren't very smart and they didn't know how to learn, 
those were lies. These were really intelligent kids. They were on fire wanting me to, to know about them. So I'm just going to dial ahead. If by the end of the year, this is what I call a true miracle. Yeah. Three of the children in the classroom won regional speech contest. And I have a news clipping to prove it because it's so shocking. And it just shows the profound effect when somebody feels loved, heard, acknowledged, seen, cared about. It's transformative. And it was transformative for me too, because this is what happened to me. That same day, the boldest boy in the class, Billy Begay, who knew the most English, which wasn't much, and, and he, had, he was less shy than the other children. He walked up to my desk and he didn't know how to say Elliot. That was too hard. So the children called me Elliot, E-L-T. <laughs> Elliot. He said, Elliot, take me home. I, I, I said, what? He said, take me home. And I, I looked at Donna Scott. I said, he, he wants me to take him home. D does he mean check him out of the boarding school? And Billy understood that. He said, oh, oh means yes. Oh, oh. And, and so I looked at him and I said, you mean this weekend? And he said, oh. And I said, you mean I check you out at the boarding school and take you <laughs> in my Jeep to, to your family? And he said, oh. <laughs> I, looked, I looked at Donna Scott. I said, am I allowed to do that? She said, Any, anybody's allowed to do that, but nobody does it. Nobody does it. Oh, You'll wow. be the first one that's ever done it. Wow. So I filled out all the paperwork. I checked him out on Saturday morning. And we, we had to um, walk part of the way because he, he lives, all the boarding school kids lived in extremely remote areas in Canyon de Chez, which is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to in my life. It's so mystical mysterious gorgeous uplifting it's like a magical place and he lived way deep into the canyon near spider rock which is a very important rock in navajo mythology it's where the involved with the creation story and his family lived way back there in a hogan very traditional nobody spoke english and um i i felt like i was in the 1800s or yeah. something it, but they treated me so kindly yeah. and they were trying to make me laugh so they'd say things and of course I didn't understand so I'd laugh and then they'd laugh harder and I'd laugh harder and pretty soon we were roaring with laughter and neither of us had any idea what the other one was saying but it showed such goodwill that exactly. they, they really wanted to take me into their lives and you know they shared me their food and they were so kind and we went on horseback with all the boys uh, bareback racing through the canyon uh, me clinging for dear life and um I, I had the time of my life I loved every minute of it and it, it seemed so close to nature and it just spoke to me so much to the way they were so connected with the land and they invited me to spend the night. They uh, insisted I sleep in one of their few beds, in cots rather, little army cots. And they 
the woman put the sheepskin on the floor and stepped on the floor, which I would have been happy to sleep on the floor. It was fantastic. And I was sad to leave on Sunday evening. And I Mm. drove, Billy and I drove back to Chinle and I dropped him off at the boarding school and he, he waved and gave me a big smile. And I mean, that, that's a lot for now. They're, they're so shy until they get to know you. And <laughs> Monday morning, everybody, the entire school, all the children knew what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then I'll just tell you this and, and uh, break for any questions you have. Um, so I decided that the curriculum was ridiculous. It was irrelevant, stupid. And so I, I took the nerve to develop our own curriculum. The principal took a liking to me. He was a black man from the South and he was very sympathetic to me and he let me break all the rules. Yeah. And, and so I made my own curriculum and I did it by having them write about things they were interested in. So I said, what I want you to do to the whole class, because I knew they're all really good at art. I said, I want you to draw a picture of my time at Billy Begay's family. And underneath it, I'd like you to write two sentences. And so they drew these beautiful pictures. And, and some could write only one word, some three words, some, a few were able to do two short sentences. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite pictures was of this uh, a horse racing through the canyon. There was a white girl on top, clinging for dear life, holding the mane <laughs> of the horse, and a ponytail flying out behind. And underneath it said, my teacher, T-E-E-C-H-I-R. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I wanted you to share this story because, it, you know, for those of you just tuning in, um, when you sit back and you read this beautiful book uh, that Dr. Erica, uh, Erica Elliott has written, and certainly Joan did a great job in the photo, Joan Borisenko. Um, but when you read this book, what I loved about it was I related to so much of it, right? And yet when I got to the part which we're going to talk about when we come back from, from break, I loved the chapter, they forget I'm white. Now, why, why is that? Why am I relating to that? Um, when you grow up in a generation the way you and I have grown up, and my first encounter was I dated someone from the Chippewa tribe. So that was my 18, 17, 18, 19 years old. Couldn't even say Chippewa. Didn't even, had no idea of any of that, right? This was a person of color. And then I found out much, much more than that. And when you are involved in people, and it was shocking that I was actually even involved with this person, but what you learn is indescribable because if we could just understand just a tad bit of what you're sharing in this book and applied it across the board to what we need now in the world for a new level of understanding. You know, look, 
When Stephen Covey wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and everybody did all but one well, and that was his message on listening to understand. You had to do that. And I love this about your book, and I love this about your journey, and I love this about your story, because as you and I said before, you became different. You changed. I want to take a short break, and when we come back, I want to talk about that change. And what then happened? How did you go from that person, right, at that point in time to what was next for you? And how your heart, your passion, your purpose, and your commitment was totally guided to where you are today. Because what you have in this book, if we could apply 10% of it to what is going on in the world right now, because we see each other different, but less than. And I love that you talked about this, because I cannot tell you the idea that people that are not like you and me are less than or not as smart are, that is one of the greatest misconceptions on the planet. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Dr. Dr. Erica a bit more because the story doesn't end there. This is like, I don't even think we're going to get through the whole thing. But look, when you are touched like she has been, then how does your pathway change? I know how mine changed. Stay tuned, everybody. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you how to get a copy of the book and how to find out more about Dr. Erica Elliott. We'll be right back. Your own innate brilliance already lives inside of you. Come discover it so you can shine brightly in this world. Join me, your host, Adrian Cobb, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern during Wild Magic on TransformationTalkRadio.com and get answers to who you are and where you belong. To learn more about me and the show, visit MyWildMagic.com. Again, that's MyWildMagic.com. Don't miss Colette Marie Stephan on The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens, every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Colette is a renowned energy worker here to help you see the serendipitous humor of the truth. It's funny. Tune in and laugh with Colette. Shift into your highest potential. Call into the show to work on your personal shift with Colette and visit TheTruthIsFunny.com to learn more about all the life-shifting services Colette offers. As different layers of consciousness unfold in each show, you won't want to miss a second of this. Make sure to tune in to Transmutation Time, Energetic Alchemy for an Amazing Life, every month with Kelly Kay on TransformationTalkRadio.com. To learn more about Kelly and the show, visit www.EnlightenedMedicine.com. You have the power to turn trauma into transcendence. Come bring your shadow into the light so you can begin to truly heal and grow today. Hi, I'm Coach Martez. And I'm licensed therapist with Drina Layton. We want to invite you to join us on the Coach Martez and with Drina Layton show, where we discuss understanding love, accepting truth, and changing your perspectives. Relationships are the currency to life, and so many couples find themselves broke in their relationships. We want you to join us for a lively discussion and practical tips and insights on how to turn things around and gain the merit for life mindset. There is divinity within you. Join Lisa Belt on her show, The Unshakable Living Show, Supernaturally and Divinely Unshakable, twice a month and find that divinity that you deserve. 
Lisa will help you feel encouraged, empowered, and realize that you're not alone on your journey. With Lisa, address the foundation, the frame, and the finish of your dreams and become truly unshakable. Day-to-day living can be difficult in our world today. Most of us don't know how to live a peaceful, joy-filled existence. Learn how to break through these barriers and live a transformative life on Love and Light with me, Dr. Lisa, every day living in peace, every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. To work with Dr. Lisa, visit EducationThroughEngagement.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm so thrilled. Dr. Erica Elliott joining me here today. Dr. Elliott, before we kind of get going here, I want people to know, one, how do they get a copy of the book, if you don't mind? Um, and uh, thank you. I want to thank all of our friends at Inner Traditions again. Uh, Ashley, thank you for connecting with Linda to bring on Dr. Elliott. Um, how do people find out more about you? Let's make sure they have your website because there's a lot more there. And then you have several websites that also can talk more about what you write about. Tell people about those and how they can get a copy of the book. Okay, you can get a copy of the book on Amazon or or Inner Traditions, or you could ask Inner Traditions to send copies to your local bookstore. Um, Most people just get it on Amazon. Um, I would like to give business to more local groups, um, but... Anyway, so yeah, my it's web- really tough. It's really tough. It's really tough. <laughs> my website, I'll tell you the first one is ericaelliotmd.com. It's no longer active because I've stopped taking new patients for the past five years because I, I, I'm overwhelmed with the amount of people who need my help from all over the country. I, I sort of am known for as a health detective. I help patients figure out what they really have, what's really going on. I don't just throw pills at them. In fact, I'm just going to interrupt myself for a second and say what the Navajo word for white doctors is so true. It's a, it's an insult, but it's so true. It's a Zeshini, which means he who gives out pills. And that's how they saw us, you know, when, when I was down there and came back as a doctor to treat them. And, um, (laughs) <laughs> so that that was very sobering to hear how we were uh viewed as just pill dispensers and that that's pretty accurate actually i didn't want to be that kind of doctor i left mainstream after 10 years because it was not meaningful i felt yeah. like a robot and uh, practicing artificial intelligence you know you have a logarithm for everything and it that's not the way real life is. It's not one size fits all. It, it's a horrible way, I think, to practice, treat people with chronic conditions. It's great for surgeries and emergencies and stuff like that, but it's awful for chronic conditions. And so I left mainstream and practiced my own version of medicine. And you can read about how I practice on that website, even though it's not an active website. And um <clears throat> And so the other website you might find really useful, it's Musings with an S, Musings, Memoir, and Medicine. And it's a, a mixture of excerpts from memoirs that I'm writing and uh, more relevant to your listeners is it's a lot of uh, medical articles or, that I wrote um, about 
subjects that are very misportrayed in mainstream medicine. They're all drug oriented. And I'm telling the people who read my stuff what's really going on and how really to, to heal from these kind of things. And so they might, I do it as a public service because I've had to turn away thousands of patients because I'm just one person. I have 1,200 patients right now, and I'm 73. And so, and so I had to kind of put limits on it. So in, in, to make up for that, I do these uh, medical posts as a public service. Well, you know, I think our audience is going to understand and appreciate that, and I will tell you why. Um, and I, I'm actually going to connect you with Dr. Sharon Martin, who is known as the uh, straight talking shaman, and she is an MD. And so you were seeing more and more people reflecting on the world of healing. But once you have been touched by, I, I don't know the right language, let me just call it indigenous ways. Let me just say that for myself, because I've had several. Once you're touched by them, it's like I talk about my first vision quest, the genie got out of the bottle and would not go back. And when I think about your journey, you're like me, you know, you, you didn't come out of college and then decide I'm going to be a doctor, right? No, it no. took you time. A I didn't, time. I always had the vision to, to go back to school, but man, when I had the vision, I could barely put a sentence together. I was basically illiterate from high school. You know, the phone company hired me because my my mom, you know, said I couldn't get another job. And I don't even know why they hired me. I remember Dara Stoner saying, I don't know why I'm hiring you, but I see something in you. You were out 48 days in your senior year. I mean, we don't hire people like you. And then she hired me. <laughs> um, but something gets in our heart. And I wanted to ask you, as I was reading through your book, there's so much to take away from this book. So many stories. They're all beautiful and so beautifully written, too. I mean, I felt like I was there. But how did you come full circle to become a doctor? That's a really good question. And it is full circle. That's because, what I think. Because I come from a three generations of doctors in Switzerland. So why did I take so long to find my purpose? Because I was determined I was not going to become a doctor just because this was in my DNA and stuff like that. Plus, I had a very skewed idea of what it meant to be a doctor because my only contact, close contact with the doctor was my uncle, Uncle Ernst, to whom I blog about. He, he was the he was a genius about, I would say, 50 years ahead of his time. And so I, my father said he was a quack, and my mother said he was a genius. And so I decided when I graduated from college, I was going to be like an investigative reporter, and I was going to determine the, the truth, whether he was a quack or a genius. And when I first met him, I thought, my father's right. He is so eccentric. He's definitely a quack. But, but when I stayed with him and did some of the treatments he did with his patients and talked to his patients from all over the world, I, I realized, my God, I'm in the presence of a, almost a holy man. And he, he was very modest. He never talked about himself. I learned about all this from his patients, saying they saved his life, their lives. They had terminal this, terminal that, and how he saved them. And 
and they were devoted to him and, and again from all over the world and so <clears throat> i thought i i can never match that so i wrote off the possibility of being a doctor immediately i said you know i might be smart but i'm not a genius i could never do that and i didn't realize how unsmart many doctors are and get through medical school I, it didn't dawn on me i thought they all had to be like that so i didn't consider that as a possibility but this wonderful 10-year trajectory looking for my purpose it all contributed profoundly to making me who i am today what kind of medicine i practice I, i'm not your mainstream kind of doctor at all, and that's thanks to this big journey finding my purpose. I mean, from the Navo people, uh, it was so profound. What and they, that was the beginning of my journey. What what I discovered about myself from being with them is that whatever I did, whatever path I chose, it had to be done with love, and it had to be with empathy. It had to be whosoever I was dealing with, I needed to step in their shoes and see the world through their eyes if I was going to have any kind of effectiveness. And, and there need to be love, kindness, and caring, whatever I picked, whether it was being continuing being a school teacher somewhere, or even if it meant being a cook or whatever, whatever I chose, it had to have those qualities. And... Um, from there, I just kept learning more and more stuff like um, indigenous ways of healing, all the herbs, the ceremonies. I learned that miracles do happen. I define a miracle as something amazing that happens that we can't really explain it with our logical minds. That happened over and over and over on the reservation. In fact, <clears throat> I'm going to confess something. I, I was told, and I kept, I showed my diary to friends, my family, because I kept a very detailed diary. They all said, you have to make this into a book. And I said, no, I am never going to do that. Why? Because people will never believe me, because yeah. this is not their reality. It's yeah. like I've been on Mars or something. It's so foreign. And I'm no longer the same person. I've been radically changed. But if, if I write about that, I'm going to be written off as, as a crazy person. And I, I was so sensitive in those days about not being believed because I had such an unusual life growing up that when I told people like I was at Queen Elizabeth's coronation and that I spoke multiple languages, my first boyfriend in high school was French and uh, blah, 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 blah. They, they thought I had a great imagination. In fact, the first man I married when I was very young in college, <laughs> I, I was so naive, um, he, he thought I had a great imagination and I should write about these imaginary stories. I was so insulted. That so hurt my feelings that I, I just learned not to talk about these things. Well, so, so anyway, so there was no way I was going to write this book. But as time went on, I matured. And I didn't care if people believed me or not. I, I had to tell the story, but I was so deeply into medicine then and learning all this stuff that I didn't have time to write a book. Then in 2016, I was so shaken by what was happening in the world and the divisiveness, the cultural 
uh, divides and stuff, I thought, okay, it doesn't matter how busy you are. You have to write this yeah. book. This is a healing story. Yeah. You have to, and, and because I set such a strong intention, it was almost like a prayer. It, it almost wrote itself. I mean, I, here I am working all the time. I'm exhausted at the end of the day and I'd sit down to write and it was like, it was like plugging me into an ele electrical source of all this energy. And I wrote it so fast because I, because I think I'm, because I made such a strong intention that I had to yeah. get out. I'm totally with you because I don't know how to describe it because you and I were chatting when I came back from that vision quest, I wasn't the same. I was different. And I mean, I was really different. I don't mean that I came, look, I came back and my friends looked at me. You know, if you're out there for any amount of time, like I was, you know, multiple times, but the first time was the shock for everybody, right? Nope. Nope. You're not bathing. You're out there two weeks, right? Your vision days are with just water, right? Yeah. That's like four days. And, you know, you could venture out in the high desert and there's another story for another show. And I got lost and a turkey vulture guided me back, became my totem animal. Everybody, it's so funny. You're sitting around a circle and this is how naive you are, right? It's me. You're sitting around, so everybody gets these amazing, right? They get, and then I tell my story and we're given names. And, you know, because of my story, everybody got these really cool names and I got rock tree and I thought, wow, really? And then my animal became my, my, one of my totems became the turkey vulture because it saved my life, but you're not the same. And in your book, every bit of what you write demonstrates how much better you are. Do, do you know what I mean? Yes, I totally know yeah. what you mean. I, I don't like to make judgment, but the, the level of personal growth that you share from this experience is so fast and so profound that if 10 days for me out in a place, I would like to take our leaders and take them out 10 days and just see what they what they come back as because what your passion and purpose to write this was so timely. Now the next step is how can we take these lessons? How can we bring forward this, this wisdom that it is? Because this is really globally transformative, right? And you know it, they know it. And yet here we sit and I share your frustration. I mean, we have to learn something different, don't we? Yes, we have to, we have to, yeah. I want to, I want you to share this. I know the time runs quickly, but I want you to share this one piece. I mean, there's a lot here. There's so much here. Um, yeah, I mean, this and thank you, thank you, and thank you, Inner Traditions, for allowing you to put pictures in the book. Thank you. It's rare in the publication world. And you I looked at I looked at a couple of the pictures and I looked at I just I was just reminded it's now time for me to go back again. I, I was just reminded. You know, every year I do something spiritual for my soul 
But now I'm reminded, and especially now that I found out that my grandfather was born in Brazil and he was a farmer, that was like a secret. <laughs> I would That's be a, proud of that. I would be I so am proud, proud of it. But, you know, they keep those things as secrets in crazy families. But I wanted to ask you this question. The idea that it was obvious you were white. At the end of this, we get to chuckle about it, right? Yes. <laughs> Talk a little bit about this because your passion hasn't died. You wrote the book. And yet there's a level of humility that I think you've learned. And certainly I know I've learned it that I wouldn't, I don't think I would have learned in this lifetime. Tell us about the power of learning humility and yet being around powerful energies at the same time. It's almost paradoxical, isn't it? Yeah. I, I felt I had no reason to be other than humble. I, honestly, I was with such great forces that I, I, I was humbled by watching these children learn at this breakneck speed. I, that's so humbling. And after being told they were not capable of learning, that's to put it politely what they said. It was very derogatory. Yep. I, I mean, and the ceremonies I witnessed, oh my God, how could I not be humble? I, I was witnessing one miracle after another. I was witnessing the most gigantic forces of nature. How could I not be humble? How could I not be humble? If I wasn't humble and I was full of myself, I would have missed all of this. Totally. I would have missed the meaning. It would have passed me by. That's why people who are really full of themselves are not receiving fully what life has to offer because they've already made up their mind. They've already decided that they know everything and they have nothing to learn. And they're, they're, they think they're better. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's really a powerful lesson that only comes from being on the land and of the land, right? Yes. I mean, there are many ways we can do it. I remember Monica telling me, um, how did Monica put it? Um, Lakota. Um we, by the way, through Monica, Monica Sicard, she created a, um, a coming-of-age program at one of the local uh, churches, centers, spiritual centers in Seattle. And that program for nine months took children, right, from ages nine to, I think, 14 on a nine-month journey. And then their parents had a parallel path. But for nine months, these kids got to experience I mean, I can't even begin to tell you or describe this. They they got to the point where they learned to build their own sweat lodge from the land. I mean, it was so profound to watch the transformation. Nine months of kids that were really in trouble. One of them was so ADHD, couldn't sit down and circle. By the time we were at four months, he could. I don't know how we can take the power of this message out. And I think your book is certainly going to enlighten people. But what would the world be like, though, if you could take this and share this in multiple programs with multiple people so that their I heart would, opens up again? I would love to. I, I would love to. I, I would love that. 
and but but when, when I uh, treat my patients, they they sort of get it what I'm yeah. all about. They get it really fast, and like they haven't really seen a doctor like this. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so. <laughs> well, and you know, this leads me to the last part of what I would love for you to share. And I don't know if you can get it done in these last couple of, of minutes here. Um, uh, but uh, Benny, let me just ask you, is Daryl still on the line? Yes, he just showed up. It's up to you. Okay. Yeah, let's bring Daryl on. Let's okay. see what his question Darryl is. He from... has a question about spiritual path after the pandemic. Yeah, he's calling in from Redmond. Sure. Hey, Daryl, welcome Thank to the show. You. Hey, Daryl. Hi, can, can you guys hear me all okay? Perfectly. What's your question? How can we help you? Well, I'm a stand-up comedian, and don't worry, I'm not going to use you in my act. <laughs> that, that would be an honor. I've, I've been in other people's acts, just FYI. <laughs> How can we help you? I just, I do kind of, um, kind of blue comedy. So I, I would think you wouldn't want to be in my act necessarily, but and neither of you ladies would find your way in there because you both seem very sweet. And, and my question, I guess, is um, it's in regards to open mics. Have you guys ever been to an open mic uh, comedy show? I yes. grew up in New York, so I could tell you I've been to a lot of them. <laughs> oh wow! I I tried to I moved to New York for a little bit and um and uh, and it didn't uh, didn't really work out super well for me in New York City. A lot of cancel yeah, yeah, culture. Yeah, you stuff have to there. be born there, I think. <laughs> yeah, they don't really have a lot of respect for me. They always they they would always say, "Oh, you're a hack. You're an old you know you're a country bumpkin hack. You know your your material's all outdated and you don't really get it." Um, but my point of my call and my big question is. What's up with open mics not being open mics anymore and a performer like me who has the credentials that I do and is the, basically the level of a touring comedian, how can I spiritually get myself booked at some of these open mics and be allowed to perform when they say it's an open mic but it actually ends up not being one? Yeah, let me just answer that question because yeah, uh, I'll tell you from a spiritual pathway, here's what I believe in a spiritual pathway and we talked about this. Um, if I had a dollar on both Dr. Eric and myself, if we had a dollar for every door that was shut in our face, we would not even have to be doing this. We'd be able to fund the entire globe um, because we know what it's like to go to places where doors are shut and they don't open. And, you know, comedy, the landscape of comedy has changed. But here's what I want to say to you. I've never let anything in the outside world, once I became aware of it, affect my spiritual direction or centeredness around it. I want to try to say it differently. Every door that has ever shut for me or has not let me in on the other side of it, Daryl, something profoundly better, greater that I needed to step into. And sometimes it didn't feel like that. Sometimes it felt like, seriously, I'm rejected from 25 schools. Yeah, because the school you really want to get in, 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 that was the one. You didn't even have to send out the other 25. Or how about moving to the Pacific Northwest and having to understand and learn what this culture is like for somebody like me? You know, doors will shut. What can you do to keep your spiritual practice open so that you believe in the possibilities of life? And because just... if your path is this, right? 
you will get this. Erica? I just to add to what you're saying is in my experience, every single bad experience has been a portal to something wonderful. In fact, it's almost uh, a relationship between how bad the experience is with how big a transformation it's going to lead to. Every single bad experience has been a portal to something better. And so may that be the case with you. May this be a portal to discovering a deeper aspect of yourself or even more effective way of sharing your, your comedic skills with the world. Whatever it may be, just set an intention that, um, that this will lead you to be even more in alignment with your soul and your spirit. Yeah. I mean, look, this is a changing landscape. I'll just say this to you. I also do career coaching. Um, and I used to be a recruiter. And I will tell you one thing right now, what's happening in media is completely transformed. So, Daryl, one of the things that I will say to you, the outside world, whether it's open mics or not open mics or whatever the mics are, they are not to determine who you become and who you are in the world. Don't let that happen because there's always a way around it, especially if you're going to lead with your spiritual self. If you're going to lead with your ego self, then you're just going to see every door shut. And believe me, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be that because I was that. Um, but don't give up the ship. Just be aware. Uh, and I know you're aware. You wouldn't have called in with that question. There's no way you would have called in with a question about your spiritual pathway and open mics. So I know you are. Thank you, Daryl. Thank you so much. Um, thank you, Benny. You know, look, Dr. Elliot, I mean, it's a great question because even if you look at whether it's is, whether it's a career in a, as a comedian and an open mic, how many people have looked at what's happened in the past 24 months? How many people? I know so many, so many of our listeners are like, dude, I am not going back to that job. I mean, we're talking about mass number of people that have been able to reflect. And I think when you're caught in the middle of an emotional, psychological, and spiritual crisis. That was COVID, right? That's COVID. Yeah. Don't you think? You agree yeah. with me on yes. that? Yes, 100%. Everything is up for review. Yeah. Okay. What I tell my patients when their lives fall apart from health issues, I say, you know, this is devastating what you're experiencing. So much loss. But on the other hand, since you're so strict now, this is your chance to rebuild in a way that's with high integrity and in alignment with your soul and your spirit. This, it, you are pure potentiality right now. You are pure potentiality and you can do it in a way that will be deeply meaningful and enriching to your life. Even if you don't heal fully, you, even if you don't get cured fully, your soul is healed. I love it. You know, I can't thank you enough for today. Please tell people again how they can connect with you and get the book. And thank you so much, you know, for reminding us of the wisdom that we really are capable of. Thank you for coming here and being such an open heart. 
and reminding us of what empathy and compassion can really transform. Tell folks again how they can find out more about you. So you can read about me and the way I practice medicine on ericaelliotmd.com. And you can um, also read more about me and also get access to those blogs, which might be very useful to you. They're under categories. You click under medicine and then just the medical post will appear if you're not interested in the memoir excerpts. And that's musings with an S, musingsmemoirandmedicine.com, all one word. And the book can be bought at Amazon or Inner Traditions. Thank you so much. One last question. Uh, thank you for joining me here today. Um, what is your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? Well, it, it sounds a bit corny, but I, but once you really realize that this is not corny, this is profound, is that if you try and deal with all these hardships we're dealing and keep love and compassion and don't lose that, that's going to get you through this. I love it. Thank you so much for everything you do. And, you know, thank you so much for joining me here today. I would love to hear your version, perhaps, of a blessing you'd like to leave us with. Okay, I, I will. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna channel, so to speak, uh, a medicine man. And it's Jean. That that's the word for walking in beauty, Jean. And their idea of beauty does not mean does not mean cosmetic. It, it means in balance with yourself, with nature, your family, your relatives, and the environment. And so, so this is uh, I, it's a prayer song saying, "May you may you walk in beauty, beauty before you, beauty behind you, beauty all around you." So give me two seconds and I'm just going to go into the space of a medicine man. <clears throat> Thank you so much, Dr. Erica Elliott. I'm Dr. Pat. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back.